The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. What's going on, Mile High? And welcome back to Sharing Our Stories. My name is Slim with Nani Al-Jalil, Tomas Hernandez, both from Tribe Recovery Homes, and our guest, Sherry Blosser from Aurora Sober Living Homes. And if you're just tuning in here to Sharing Our Stories, first of all, Happy New Year's Eve to you. Hope you're ready for uh, 2024. And uh, welcome to Sharing Our Stories. This program is all about addiction and recovery. Everybody in this room has dealt with addiction to drugs and or alcohol, and we are in our recovery, and we want to share stories that recovery does happen. To let people know out there, if you are suffering addiction or you have a friend or a family member uh, that is, uh, to let you understand what they're going through and maybe so that you can offer a a hand, a shoulder, some support uh, to that friend or family member in addiction. And if you are suffering an addiction so that you can see us and know, hey, you can get just to where we are too, uh, recovery can happen for you. So welcome to the program. Yes, yes. This is going to be a, well, personally, this is an amazing amazing experience for me um in may 2013 i was in a program called stout street and uh my old behaviors got ahead of me and i got myself kicked out of that program and while i was back in an argument with my family um my father said i need to go somewhere and don't do anything dumb you better come back sober and I need a few minutes to talk to your mother about things because I had nowhere to go because I got kicked out of that program. So I grabbed my old recovery backpack that had, you know, MP3 players and pamphlets and everything in it. I found a Wednesday meeting and I just came in and I was in tears. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this lady was sitting right there just staring right at me. And she gave me an option that saved my life. I got to join her sober living. I got to be the first house manager of that program. I got to learn so much. I, I, I found so much freedom with Sherry. She became family. She did everything possible to deal with a guy like me. You know, at the time I'm 37 years old. I'm about 300 pounds with a big old biker beard. And I think I know everything and I'm damn near athe- atheist. Well, you guys hear me on the radio all the time, <laughs> but damn near atheist. And you know, I got a lot of politics, prison politics, tendencies, and a lot of confusion and a lot of stuff. And she was very patient with me and she's loved me and had my back this whole time. And you know what I've learned today, I just want to let everybody know. I learned from Sherry Blosser. I learned how to run sober living homes by just mimicking what she did. That's where I learned that from. If you want to know how I got good at what I'm doing was from this lady right next to me. Brother, yeah. I don't know if all that's true. I think you it picked is. up some some of your own amazing assets <laughs> along the way, yeah. but um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a blessing. It's been quite the journey um, yeah. watching you build an empire to help these guys. And like, um, it's just it's been incredible. I, I feel really honored to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, I'd pretty much do anything for this guy sitting here. I'm, I, yeah, even give me her dog. She used to mess with me. And she'd be like, you want the dog to come over and cuddle? You're so mad. And I'd be like, no, I don't want the dog to come cuddle. I'm sending the dog over right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not upset after her cuddle session with the dog, though? I mean, So Tomas was your first ever male client? Yeah. So I First opened- ever guy you had in the sober living? Ever. You know, we. I think we had two or three girls' houses. And... I, I'm a tomboy. I like to play with boys and softball and all this stuff. Was coming. I like Nerf guns. The girls just wanted to dye each other's hair and fight. And I was like, I need boys. And so I talked to my business partner into opening a boys' house. We worked really hard. We got it open. It had mustache um, posters and yeah. all this cool stuff. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. And our very first client, and he comes mobbing up with his sad little backpack. And I was just like, eek. This is not what I was talking about, actually. She said eek. It just in a, tattoos, and yeah. I was like, "Hold up!" I yeah. was thinking like Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy my dad stopped the car. He just pushed me out with my my plastic bag. I had a trash bag. You just came rolling up. It just raided out, tattooed out with a sad little bag, and I was just like. 
here we go. <laughs> I was like, here we go. I asked for boys, and here he is. <laughs> yeah, me and Chad are still best buddies. He still works on my car. He's he, such a great yeah. man. So, like, this is how dope sober living is. Like, I have great, great friends still from those Robert days. Peasley was Robert in that Peasley, house. Robert Peasley, sober living now. Yeah, yep, he does sober living now. Yeah, Chad lives five blocks from me in his own home, yep. and that's what that program impacted us. Yep. So does Shauna. They're married. Three participants from that program have mortgages, have families, have jobs, and it saved our life. So if you're wondering if sober living works, I just I could go on and on about how many people Sherry saved, but to the impact of that level, to where I'm at, like Robert Peasley, he has his own pro- program too. What? This does, this is not a competition thing. This is a family thing. This is us sticking together and riding it out. And a good business person knows if they can teach people to be the very best version of themselves, they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what's so wonderful about this, this interview and reminiscing back to those days. You know, um, I could go on and on about that house. I mean, I still, out of gratitude every year, I get my, my, my key tag, I, I drive by that street to remember where the hell I came from. Because that was probably the scariest moment of my life. 37 years old, living with Parkers and Calebs and all these different kids that are <laughs> half my age and trying to figure things out. And some of them been in and some of them haven't. But I do remember when I was sitting in those meetings, it says stay with, stick with the winners, stay with people with a year to five years more in recovery. Don't go around the people that you know go around a new different way of life and I opened up my mind and it was hard to open up my heart and open up my spirituality but I got it from sober living you know treatment centers are temporary I own treatment centers I always tell people this is a temporary thing sober living is where you're going to find yourself because you're out there in the community you know what I mean and that's uh, and that's what Sherry has given to the state of Colorado you got to understand there was two other programs that were in business when that happened that was Oxford House and Carla Vista and Sherry took a chance, borrowed some money from her dad, and opened up. And, and you know, and she was just a newcomer, I guess. You had like a year, right? I had a when, year. Yeah, you, you had a year and just, and just put it all in. And, wow. and we just bought in. We just loved it. I mean, the culture that Tribe has on stuff like the softball team, that's all just emulating what Sherry does. Like when you go into her program, it's all about togetherness, family getting up out of the bed, cleaning up your mess, going around everything, but being part of the, your life in recovery. You can't just sit there and be sober and not have a job and not participate with the people. She makes sure that you're participating or just this is not for you because you're not ready. You know what I mean? You, and, and that's that. She's, what I'm saying is she's the master of culture. What we have is if, if, if you're in sober living, it's about your culture. And if you go to Aurora Sober Living, you have no choice because she's going to slap you with culture or make the dog lay with you at three in the morning. <laughs> TV your house or something. Yeah, exactly. Get you out of that bed somehow. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's been an awesome journey. I, um, I loved the idea of sober living so much. And um, the program that I was in, I thought it was a great idea, but um, I feel like addicts and alcoholics needed a hell of a lot more structure mm-hmm. and accountability than I was being offered. Um, and so I did. I asked my dad for $4,000 to buy it. I can't even believe he gave it to me. You know, I, I, I had to do a lot of work to, to gain that trust and, and get them back in my life. But um, he did. He gave me the, the $4,000 and I was able to get a little house and open my first women's house with some janky couches and, uh, you know, use TVs and the whole deal and get it rocking. And, um, but it was more important of the fellowship and the community I was trying to build. And so um, it was almost, I think, 10 years ago that I opened that first house. Um, and it was quite the, it's been an yeah. amazing journey. Yeah. It's been really awesome seeing other companies open and seeing some of my alumni um, have, you know, God use them in their life as another, you know, anchor in this community to help save lives. Um, you know, not only just as like Tumas and Peasley who will like do sober living as well. That's awesome. Um, but to see other women and men um, sponsor yeah. and take, you know, people under their wing. I mean, they'll work, you know, their 40 hour plus a week job. And then when they get home, deal with their family and deal with husband and deal with and meet sponsees just to pay yeah. forward what's given. And I think it's just so important to them because 
they feel like it was just um, so freely given to them. You know what I mean? So it's so important for them to pay that forward. Um, looking back on my life, I don't... I, even without drugs and alcohol, I was still a really sick person. Like I was kind of telling you guys. Um, so going through the work and doing, and even to this day, I still do the work. Um, you know, I just, I never want to go back to the person that I was. I never exactly. want to go back to that person. Um, I've been given a life today that there's nothing worth losing it over. You know right. what I mean? And so it's like. Um, when you have that buy-in, it just, it just becomes addictive in itself because you finally start winning. Yeah. Like you get achievements. Like I remember, remember when I, I was so excited when I came back to you because I got Wednesdays and I could set up the speaker meetings. Yeah, I like do. I got keys to the to the to the to, to the, the church. church. They were and just yeah. something like that. I was like, no. I mean, my mom wouldn't even give me the keys to her house. I know. You know what I mean? But the whole church, church, yeah, mm-hmm. whole church, and I could I could get there early and make coffee and set up the chairs and pick the speakers, and that meant the whole world to me. Yep. You know, on a Wednesday at a church, like you couldn't catch me on a Sunday at a church if you're going to give me $100 in a bottle. Right. Well, I don't know, maybe $100 in a bottle. Well, Went a little bit too far. You would have drank the bottle, <laughs> robbed the church. <laughs> the I would have had to come <laughs> and get you. It would have been a mess. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this other side of him was a blessing to be around. <laughs> and I get to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel bad for the families and the husbands and wives and kids that, um, you know, get destroyed through this disease because it takes out everything in its yeah. path and we've seen that yeah um so it's it's also really a blessing to get to see people at their best and putting in work um see them get their families back and their kids back you know we just had christmas and thanksgiving people showed up and they mm. were happy and they were genuinely enjoying their life and recovery yeah you know what i mean something i was i was really scared i wasn't going to be able to do I thought I'd be bored and lonely and miserable, and it's just the opposite for me. Um, I kind of crave boredom now because I have so much opportunity to do the most amazing things. I want to ask you you a question. What's great about her, too, is I remember the last day I was in her program, right? Um, Yeah, I went straight atheist. I didn't care about nothing, and Mm -hmm. I got myself kicked out because of my attitude. So, um, like I've told people on the radio before, I've got kicked out of every program, and now I own programs. It's funny. But I seen her the next day at the meeting. And she made sure she sat right next to me and gave me a hug. And she told me that she loved me. And if I got my stuff back together, I was always welcome to come back. But she asked me one pinnacle thing about spirituality. And she goes, you know, you can't do this program without some type of higher power. So F God that you said yesterday, how's that doing for you? And I put my head down and I knew I was wrong. I knew that I couldn't and I was wrong about getting kicked out. But after that, she never judged me. She hugged me every time, made sure I was okay, and called me through the whole journey. So, you know, a lot of people are worried about when you get, when you leave sober living, because you, usually most of the time, 95% of the time, you do it yourself. You don't have the, the you'd have to do something bad to really get kicked out of sober living. Sure. You, you do it to yourself. But uh, people out there need to know that the proprietors of these companies, these organizations, they really do care and they really want you to come back. So this is not like a rental or a housing first situation or anything like that. This is truly, the beds are just there to create a family and a culture. And if you don't know how to buy into that, you're going to learn because you have people like Sherry Blosser out there because that meant the world to me. Cause in that conversation, it was this, yeah, I just, I had six months of recovery and I said to hell with God. And my behaviors came right back within 24 hours, and I was back on somebody's couch, and I still had an option to go back. But, you know, and my story's different. We don't have enough time to talk about that. But I had the support still as if I was a member inside there, and I still played in the softball teams, and I still came around to the events and all that kind of stuff because she made sure that it was okay to be there. Mm-hmm. It, it scared me when you said that. Because if God's not, you know, steering the boat, then you are, right? And my, I know where my best thinking leads me to, and it's nowhere good. Yeah. And so I, you know, through doing the work and doing the steps and stuff like that, I've been able to think outside of myself. And I thought I, I saw you kind of getting a feel for that and a grasp for that. And it's a game changer, right? And so to hear you feel defeated and hopeless and, and want to go back to controlling situations and manipulating and being selfish and all the things that God removes from our character defects um, scared me for you. 
um, at that point you were you were pretty open minded though, and yeah. so I think you just needed someone that could hear you, meet you where you were at, you know what I mean, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I, I there I there's no way that I could stay sober if I wasn't around like minded people. And today I want to live a life in recovery, so I keep my butt around like minded people, people that work a program, keep sobriety at the at the you know forefront of their everyday, um, you know worship a higher power. Um, and so I reap what I sow, you know what I mean, on a daily basis. And um, today it's recovery. Um, it's just, I couldn't, I didn't even know a life like this was possible. I had no idea it was even possible. I didn't know how to love myself, let alone love somebody else. So to sit here and hear you say that, like, I forgave you and I didn't judge you and I hugged you, that's not who I was. Um, I would have done those things to get as much as I could out of you. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, this disease made me a really nasty person. Um, and I did a lot of work. I realized that, um, it wouldn't have been long before I either got my fourth DUI and spent a lot of time in jail or, um, ended up dead or killing myself. I was absolutely miserable. It wasn't even living. It was just surviving. So that's that's the ultimate question for for the interview and, and Slim, if you want and Nani want to bounce in with it, I'm sure that all the listeners really would like to know. Um, so where did it start? How did it snap in? Like what what? Because uh, I know your parents. I mean, those are the two most wonderful people on earth. They're mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, I haven't seen parents that, that show up to events like them. Mm-hmm. Like they are the most supporting, loving individuals that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, her sister like. Don't, don't even get me there. They're like, they're so happy. Like, they got lu- ukuleles from Hawaii. <laughs> they learned how to play it in a day. So they're, like, playing songs, like, you know what I mean? Like, in a day, man, they're so happy. Like, yeah, all you got to do is just be happy. You know? I'm not even addicted to drugs and alcohol. I'm addicted to everything. So I got a ukulele, and it was an immediate addiction. I had to learn it right away. And we had to bust in your room to play eight songs for you that were absolutely terrible at 2 o'clock in the morning. And you're just laying in your bed, like, when's this going to be over? And I'm like... Not anytime soon because we have seven more songs. <laughs> You're like, dude. <laughs> yeah, I. So awesome. You know, and that's kind of how it started for me. I noticed that I had a really addictive personality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I got started getting into basketball, it wasn't just that I like played basketball. It was that I had to like be the one to organize the sneakers and pass out the balls, and like I had to be this like basketball. And I wore headbands every day for five months, and like basketball. You know. I mean and so it was like um you were talking about my family I mean I grew up in a very normal family my parents could not be more amazing I have one sibling she's a sister she's incredible um they're all normies so in my addiction they had no idea what to do with me or or how to even help and so their really only option was to protect themselves and just kind of um you know, love me from a distance and pray they didn't get a phone call that I was dead. And it's, yeah. it breaks my heart. I remember going through my first round of steps and going to make amends to them and hearing um, from, you know, the wolf's mouth of the, like, just sleepless nights and crying and fighting and almost divorces and money issues that I actually had put them through. I had no idea. Um, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I thought I was just damaging myself and my liver and my nose and my, you know, (laughs) and I thought it was just me. And I had no idea how many people actually loved me that I was just, I was also killing and it broke my heart. Um, so, you know, they were pretty ghosts. They didn't know how to deal with it. They offered some solutions, but, um, I was, you know, and I was interested, but, um, I had to give up complete control, which I wasn't willing to do. And so, um, you know, I, I tried a couple of AA meetings and stuff and sat in the back with my head down, thinking about a drink the whole time, ready to leave that meeting and thinking about a drink the whole time. I was far from done. Um, I got three DUIs. I was on my third. The first weren't a huge deal, you know, some probation and stuff. The third I knew I was looking at jail and I'm, I acted very tough, but down inside I was this very yeah. anxious, I remember scared. I went with you to puppy. sentencing. Yeah. And like, Oh tense. man, it was, 
it, yeah, it was terrifying. I was just like, I, you know, you, I, all I knew about jail was what you see on TV. So I was like, okay, here we go. 60 days in, I'm going to get shanked and yeah. killed. I was dying. <laughs> I was like, I'm dead. But I, she was like so serious. I was like, so they're going to leave a make mint. Any jokes. Yeah. But I was like, this is crazy. I'm like, they're going to leave a mint on my pillow. I'm not going to know what it means to get shanked. That's that. It's all over. I was like, no one was giving me any tips. I was just like, okay. Yeah, I was like, no one's healthy. She was a life sentence. There was like 20 people in the thing. For 60 days, she was like, Oh my god! <laughs> I was just like, "This is it." I got sober for no reason because I'm gonna die in jail. So yeah, but no, I, um, <laughs> you know, and so I was starting to actually from my, I didn't have a lot of consequences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to look at some consequences. Um, my anxiety had gotten so bad I wouldn't even leave the house. I was, um, if I wasn't drunk or high, I was at home. Um, popping pills, just trying to maintain till I could get my next fix. I was just surviving. I was literally, it was morning to night surviving. Um, I was running a daycare out of my house. Um, I was a teacher. I had gotten fired for going in drunk. And at this point, I was running a daycare out of my house um, <clears throat> with a, a girlfriend of mine, a very toxic relationship um, that was physical and just we fed off each other's addiction and um, abuse and it was just absolutely toxic. Um, I have no idea how I got away with running this daycare as long as I did because the parents would drop these kids off and I would get annihilated and then they would pick these kids up and I would, you know, perfume and mouthwash and do what I needed to do Um until, you know, they scooted out the door in 30 seconds, and then I would party until 4 in the morning, sleep a couple hours, and do it again. And I did that for years, and I have no idea how I got away with that. Um, it was, I mean, I, it was just, it's just so sick when yeah, I look yeah. back at it now. You know what I mean? Like, um, I just, I adore children, and it's a passion of mine. And what I could have actually done in those kids' lives um, hadn't I been at the forefront of my addiction, um, it just breaks my heart. And that's probably an opportunity that I'll never get. You know, back. that was like, you, you know? know, I had the whole thing in, in prison to where I had to do the, the, 30, the 300 inmates that I had to learn how to like navigate. We act just like those kids in daycare. All day. So, so you had a lot of experience with this whole situation. I had where a I was lot. Coming in. Now it's just an adult daycare because it's over there. No, yeah. But so I did this daycare, and like I just became more and more miserable. You know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, in the midst of another chaotic, crazy fight, um, I happened to call my family and my sister, who was done. Shan was done at this point. Um, picked up the phone and she came running. She heard us screaming and yelling and the whole deal. Cops were on their way for uh, all of our screaming as usual. Cops were at my house for me and Bryn screaming every other day. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just the chaos and disaster of my mm-hmm. life. Um, and at this point, I was, I was pretty broken and I knew I was looking at jail. Um, my anxiety was so bad. I was, I was suicidal. I was just done. I was just defeated completely. Um, and my defeat didn't look like homelessness or, um, you know, bankruptcy or any of those things. It was just that I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. You were emotionally bankrupt. I just don't know if I could have done another day. I was exhausted. You know what I mean? I just, I, I, I could not imagine living one more day in that life. It's exhausting. Um, and my family showed up. Um, Shan was all in my face trying to be all Shanny, you know, my yeah. sister. She's very Shandra. And my parents were making moves trying to find me a treatment center, and they did. Um, they took me to Parker Valley Hope that night. Um, I woke up. I was very intoxicated, so I woke up the next day and was like, get me out of here. What in the hell kind of trick was this? Um, you know, actually, I woke up, and I was still a little bit drunk, and they have a pool table there. So I was like, I'm still at the bar. I was like, this is awesome. And they're like, you're in rehab. And I was like, no, that's opposite of the bar. <laughs> you know, I was like, what kind of trick is this? Um, they stole the pool table. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. I don't see a bartender anywhere. And so I was like, absolutely not. I'm out of here. Um, called my girlfriend who, you know, would come and co-sign anything. I mean, if she had cared about me at all, she would have talked me into staying and said she was trying to find me to get me out. You know what I mean? It was just, just sick in itself. But um, I had a counselor, as I was waiting for her to pick me up, sit outside with me and just have a heart-to-heart with me for about an hour. And he talked me into to, you know, volunteering myself to say a week. 
and I was willing to do it. I was like, you know, I got nothing to lose. Um, everything that you're saying right now sounds really good. If any of that's true, I'm in, right? What have I got to lose? Mm -hmm. So I stayed, um, and I started to talk to the people around me in, in treatment and realized that I wasn't the only one suffering with anxiety, that I wasn't the only one suffering from alcoholism and addiction. And I started to realize that maybe um, if we supported each other and learned how to love one another and um, you know did this thing together, um, it might not be so bad after all. And so um, I stayed for 30 days and I absolutely loved it. Um, I was offered to go to sober living afterwards. Um, my house manager left two nights um, after I moved in. So here I am, a baby in sobriety, and I was stepped up as house manager. I don't know if it was based off. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know why they chose me. They're just like, she looks good. And I was like, okay. Um, I have no idea why I was chosen to be the house manager so fresh, but I was. And so all of a sudden I had this like responsibility to take care of these other women. And I was, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I started to like it. It started to give me purpose. And I, I just felt so lost. I knew I didn't want to teach again. I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, you know, I found a rinketing job that just paid my bills. But um, I was mostly excited because I started to wake up. And instead of me being selfish all day, trying to feed my addiction, I got to wake up and see how I could better these women's lives and start to give them purpose to live and what they were going to do for their recovery and come to this meeting with me and let's do this and let's do that and started to feel the reward and just my heart full. Um, I started to like who I was becoming, being more selfish than selfish. Um, and I just loved giving back. Um, the sober living that I, that I was in at that time, um, kind of, like I said, it just wasn't a good fit for me. I felt like there needed to be more accountability for the women and stuff. So I hit up pops and I was like, I really like what I'm doing. And I think I have a good idea. And he's like, not one of your good ideas again. <laughs> Let's not do it. Let's not though. Um, and I'm like, no, this is like a real good one. And he's like, yeah, you said that. And so, um, I got that first house and I opened it up for women. Um, I kept kicking booty on my recovery. Um, I went to a meeting every single day. I found a sponsor who, um, I, I, I don't, there's no way I'd be sitting here today if I didn't have. I mean, this, every single time this lady shared in this meeting, I was just like, she's speaking to my soul. Like, I That's love awesome. this lady. Awesome. And I met, she was like, I'm going to kick your butt. She's like, I'm going to make you meet me. I'm going to make you go through these steps thoroughly. She's like, you're going to do everything that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I was like, that sounds miserable. And she was like, it's <laughs> going to be. And I was like, perfect, sign me up. You yeah. know, so um, I met her every Sunday at a coffee shop. And we went through that big book, um, which, you know, I thought was a total crock before. And then I started to, you know, actually benefit from the program. And I started working. to get comfortable in my own skin. I got off of my anxiety medicine. I had no anxiety anymore. I started to attract a completely different, you know, um, group of people. I started to get invited to softball, invited to share my story, invited to do all these things. And then I had the big sentencing for my DUI, yeah. that <laughs> yeah. third DUI. And I was like, oh, no, everything I worked for is about to be taken away. I was looking at nine months. And... I didn't even ask, but my family and friends um, all met me yeah. at the court date. Yeah. And 30, 40 people yeah. prayed in front of that courtroom for me. And so when I went in, the judge was like crying. And he's like, I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, me neither. I'm yeah, like, this is recovery. You know, we made a joke, but we were all desperate. We, we had nowhere else to go. So it we was, were making plans to what we could do if she had to go, how we could all speak to make sure she didn't go. Because she was our leader. Yeah. We couldn't lose our leader that day. You know what I mean? That's that's how how important it gets when you're in recovery because you got to stick with each other because one link to the next link has to stay. Even in the program that I got kicked out of, Christopher Conway is the other side of my of my of my mentorship is still man. and I you know I still get texts on Christmas Day. You know what I mean from him today. You know the same way that I get from Sherry and everybody. But that day we were not gonna allow the judge to take our leader away from us because yeah. You did too much work. I had a business partner, but we were different breeds <laughs> of people. And so I think they were a little um, intimidated to have. We were like a mom and dad. She was yeah. she was more, yeah. um, oh, I was more ask your dad and she was more no, you know what I mean? She yeah. was the stern hand. And so I think they were a little bit scared to lose their 
Yeah. They're compassionate, yeah. you know, little teddy bear well, the, buddy. Well, but. I mean, I would say it more like this. You kept us accountable to sponsors, like my first sponsor that 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 ever gave a damn about me. Like, you remember when I was talking to you about Dennis? Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to pick somebody because I couldn't find anybody. And I finally mm-hmm. found him. And the conversations that we had, it's not about what does he have? I remember you told me, what does he have that you want? Like, not the same stuff that mm-hmm. you've been through. But what does he have that you want? Like yeah. he has a job, he has a family, he pays his bills, he's he's selfless, he's helpful, he's in meetings all the time, he's got years of recovery, he'll do anything. Like I could call Dennis right now and he'd be here in two seconds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's those things, that those conversations, and that's what we would have missed. We'd have missed that accountability like when I was sitting there talking about I didn't like God anymore, I didn't like anything. You know what I mean? How's that working for you, buddy? You know, that kind of stuff. And I didn't say your other business partner wasn't there. It was just she wasn't present in recovery sure. every day like you were because we needed to follow somebody. And that's what we do, you know, in my organization is we got to keep that culture because if you don't have that, if we'd have lost culture that day, we would have lost Aurora Sober Living. We would have lost yeah. that. We would have lost that. You know, everybody would have been out melancholy. A couple people would have left. Things would have happened and it would have been disarray and it would have been our main high up crew, me, Peasley, everybody, Brand, Ronnie, everybody trying to put things, pieces together and re-emulate you. Yeah. And that just wasn't what we were going to go for that day. Yeah. We had to make sure that the judge understood that you've saved a bunch of lives and we needed you. You know, and that's what we do okay. today. What's great about the courtrooms is they're listening to us now because we go into drones just like that, yep. that information. And we're like, no, nah, this person has done enough, man. Like, they ain't that person no more. Why are you going to take them? Why are you going to reboot them back? Yeah. You know, and you started that movement. And I keep on saying this, and I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke, everybody that's listening. Like, she's literally one of the first sober living success stories in the state of Colorado. And all of us have a piece of what Sherry has created because just what I said, it's that culture, it's that heart, it's that love for recovery. It's never quitting. It's never giving up on somebody. It's never closing the door. It's never, somebody asks for help. Some people ask me like now, like, why are you helping them? They'll be like, man, that's stupid. Why are you helping them? I'm like, no, that's stupid not to. You know what I mean? Because that's my job as a man in recovery. You may want to keep your money in your pocket. You may not want to take the extra time to sit down and have a cup of coffee with this person. You may not be mad enough to not to answer the phone to them, but I'm going to do it. So that's my business because that's what I was taught in recovery yeah. to keep that phone on yeah. and to keep going. Yeah. You know, I imagine if I hadn't helped you, you've helped thousands of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so on and so on. And I thought it was actually really cool. I mean, these judges were just sentencing people to incarceration and not offering them meeting, not offering them any sort of solution at all. And yeah. so it was just this revolving door situation. Yeah. Um, these people were begging for help and begging for, you know, anything um, different than the lives that they were living. And, you know, I ended up having to do 30 days, which that awesome sponsor drove me right up to the jail. And, yeah. um, you know, it was good for me. I got a little, little taste without it being too scary um, <laughs> of what jail's like, right? Yeah, yeah. No mints around my pillow. I didn't see any shanks. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I totally lived through it. Um, and it also gave me a little bit of a taste of what my reality looks like if I get a fourth. So yeah. when I play my tape through and I end up at the liquor store later on tonight, when I play that tape all the way through, I'm going to my fourth DUI sentencing. Yeah. Um, and that's scary for me. I would lose yeah. everything that I've worked for and, and the person that I am. Um, I celebrated my year of sobriety in jail with a bunch of people that were not in recovery. Mm-hmm. So I made myself a little ghetto cake yeah. and celebrated. Right. So yes. she learned quick. Exactly. Like, I, did. I didn't learn the cake till my second year. <laughs> this like, this one girl I mean? took me under her wig and taught me some cool gangster <laughs> Okay, so like I, I learned the ghetto so cake. So it wasn't a mint on the pillows all the time. No, she yeah. made me a cake. She made me a cake. Um, and you know, so it was kind of cool. I mean, I had nothing else to do but preach recovery to these women. They didn't want to hear it. I drove them absolutely nuts. They were banging on their cell, del- cell doors to yeah. get out away from me. So but I, I loved it. So I have a question. What I is your it. mission statement to your life and to what Aurora Sober Living means? If you could sum it up in like three uh. sentences... Four sentences, whatever. Not even count the sentences. What my mission statement? It's just like, oh, what do you gosh. wake up? What do you wake up and feel? Why, like the days you don't want to do it? What yeah. do you say to yourself um, to keep going? You know, I'm I'm a really big believer now, and so I pray when I feel weak. I pray for strength. Um, when I feel 
um, you know, tired, I pray for rest. When I feel irritable, I pay for patience. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a big uh, believer in God now, and that's just not something that I had before. In recovery, I was able to figure out what that relationship looked like. Um, when I gave my life over to God, I was able to let a lot go. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't care what people think anymore, and I don't mm-hmm. care what, um, you know, cruddy things the day has to come. Um, I feel like I to say a whole statement is going to be really hard for me because there's a lot that I feel. Um, you got time? Just I want yeah, I want the I want the I just, audience to know. I just want the audience to know that their life is worth fighting for. You know what I mean? I just, I had myself completely convinced that my life wasn't worth fighting for. And there was no solution. Um, And I didn't know the resources. I had no idea how awesome this recovery community was in Colorado. No idea that there was softball and volleyball yeah. and sober living and IOP and drum lines and art and yoga. I had no idea any of that existed. Are you doing yoga now? No. Do I look like I do yoga? <laughs> oh, whatever that, was, that, yeah, whatever that, that would be the extent of why I might get into, but I don't think, I'm not flexible. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably a whole nother show. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't would be, it wouldn't be pretty at all. We'd I don't think, the whole situation I don't think I'd buy a yoga mat or spandex yeah. anytime soon. Turn that soon. way. Go ahead. And it's probably nothing like that. This is what my weird brain convinces me What we can do is, is we can give them, if they're late on any type of program fees, to pay off $100 of your program for you, you have to be filmed to do yoga. And we'll just sit Done. there and laugh and drink coffee. <laughs> and just laugh at them and make them like our little puppets. I don't think we do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we, um, it's not okay. No. It's just I a joke, guys. Don't I, take a little, oh my God, did you hear what he said? We better move out tonight. We're going to be doing yoga. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, yeah, I think that. Yeah. Oh God, y'all got. Um, no, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff in this community though that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And so we have this like, um, we're we're our own worst enemies, right? Yeah. We brainwash ourselves into thinking like this is how AA is, this is how recovery is, this is how rehab is, this is how sober living is. And I had that planted in my head, and I there was always an excuse, right? Yeah. I'm better than. I don't need. I'm nothing like them. Um, when I started finding the similarities instead of the differences of all those things, gosh, I'm exactly like them. It's exactly what I needed. It's exactly yeah. where I should be. And so I can tell today um, when when it's me talking or it's my higher power talking. And if it's me, I need to get out of the way and get him back in the front. Because, um, like I said, my best thinking will talk me out of going to a meeting, not meeting my sponsor, kicking him out not paying that bill, all the things that benefit myself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I can, uh, and when I can, you know, live in God's will and, and live in recovery, it's just such a different life. It's like, how can I be of service? I need to get up and hit that meeting. I have that appointment. I, I don't want to be late to you. just show up different. Yeah. You know, I, the person you want to be on time, you just show up different in all aspects, of, all aspects of your life. I mean, I get to show up not only um, for Aurora Sober Living, but as a mom and give a shout out to P. Banks. <laughs> yeah, that's the fart, babe. There it is. So her five year old <laughs> really wanted to hear a fart sound when she was on the radio. So yeah. I said I would provide the and you killed it. <laughs> Yeah, you got a fart machine for Christmas. There you go. Um, yeah, I get to show up for Porter Banks. Like, could you, I could not imagine me as a mom 10 years ago. That would have been an absolute disaster. I, I just could not even imagine. And now I'm raising this little man to be this kind, generous, loving. Like, I'm actually doing a halfway. He hasn't been to the hospital yet. He's alive still. Like, what? What's up, guys? You know what I mean? It's dope. Um and it's just, it's another thing that has just given me a totally different purpose in life. Um, the relationships that I have today and the relationships I have with my family um, and my girlfriend. And you know what I mean? It's just, I, I just show up different. And the benefit of that is just unreal. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just so used to the fighting and the screaming from my previous toxic relationship and it's like I remember getting into my first new one and I was upset about something and I'm screaming and she looked at me and she's like why are you yelling and I'm like I don't know that's just what I'm used to (laughs) she's like we could just talk and I'm like that sounds nice you know like let's do that what do you mean 
I'm like, let's do that, yeah. you know, and just like, um, and so it's just cool. I mean, just the person that I'm becoming. And I'm not saying that I don't get flat tires and, you know, someone spends money on my credit card or I fall short here or someone does something here. Um, that's just life. I know that that'll yeah. never stop. Um, but know, I have the tools today and the thinking today. Um, that remember makes me the saying, I always say it today, um, recovery is our superpower. If we, yeah. anything can happen in this whole world to you in your life, if you just stay sober that day yeah. and that next day that you get through it, you can accomplish anything. If you keep your recovery community close and you keep yourself sober, yeah. you can make it back through anything. And me and you through business have, we've both went bankrupt at one time. Mm -hmm. We both had to rebuild. Yeah. We both have lost relationships and had to rebuild. Mm -hmm. We both have had no money and everybody thinks we're rich. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're basically eating yeah. I'm like, none Bell. of the pay. I'm Yeah, not. yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all Facebook facade. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, yeah. we have people that still die. We have family members that get sick. Yeah. But all of those things, you know, with those responsibilities, you know, it's always been that. If you have that recovery, that's your superpower. Yeah. Nothing can stop me if I have my recovery time. It's true. You know, I could probably be homeless today and have nothing and be completely content. You know what I mean? I've found that peace. Um, I'm, I'm just comfortable in that way. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I remember the first time, cause you know, in my own addiction, it was like, um, it was really just me and my girlfriend in our own little sick bubble. And so I had no idea about like heroin and fentanyl and, um, you know, some of the epidemics that were coming up and taking place and how bad that they were killing the community. Yeah. And so when I started to work in recovery and see how bad the community was getting, yeah. um, and I think my very first funeral, um, was just this amazing kid. He was 22 years old and he was a client of mine and, um, he had stayed sober for a few years and he had relapsed and he thought he had could do the same amount but his tolerance was different from that sobriety and one shot took him out and it was absolutely heartbreaking because I got to see this kid just grow for mm -hmm. two years and kill it in life yeah. and create this life that I wanted it was he had a daughter and a fiance and it was amazing yeah. um and it all went away with one shot and it it almost motivated me even more from that one phone call. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? I have the opportunity to do whatever I can to stop that from happening. Yeah. And um, you know what's cool is like when, like when we opened up the first house, I still remember like closing my eyes, sitting on the floor, putting the beds together. Me, you, and Chad mm -hmm. and uh, a couple other the guys that, that, that showed up. There was probably like three of us the first night. And then by the, the third night, there was five. And we all had to put our furniture together and we all had to decorate the house, help her decorate the house. Mm -hmm. We're all eating pizza. And it was like, you know, this is the beginning. Like, it was like, you're like some kind of pioneer and a new beginning. And every piece of the whole house, how it functioned, how we put it together, yeah. we did it together and we like built it. And before you know it, we blink. It's a whole setup, sober living and it's running perfectly, you know, and you know, I had to go through the courtroom process with my divorce during that mm -hmm. time. I had to go get the McDonald's job. And, of course, there's a lot of humor, so I had to walk in with that stupid outfit. <laughs> and Jerry's like, <laughs> that hat on. I'm <laughs> working at McDonald's. I was like, here's big tough guy bobbing in with the McDonald's outfit. Yeah. Come here. And let's have a, a let's have a conversation about humbleness. Come here. <laughs> I was like, come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's you like, where's my Happy Meal? Yeah. Where you, you're there all day. You didn't yeah. think of me at all? I was like, dude, my manager don't even speak English and she's 19. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so great. And I'm like, this is going to be so good for him to humble himself. He's this big banger guy that has to be like top dog, da, da, da. I was like, go and just do your work. Make those franchises like they've never been made and come home and just be do good. that. You don't have yeah. to end up being CEO of McDonald's. Yeah. You focus on the fries and you come home. You know, it's like, just stay focused and come home. Right. I'll go. I was like, he's going to end up being the CEO of McDonald's. Yeah. Watch. I was like, here we go. Uh, but he did. Slip and chat, cherry pies and apple pies. You did he'd, it though. He'd eat them with like 
Ch- Chad's a mechanic, yeah. so he never washed his hands, and he just eat the cherry pies and the apple pies with just full oil on his I hands. Know. It was great. I think even when he washes his hands, they're full of oil. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's just oily at his yeah. plate. We sit in the garage and hot box the whole place, drinking energy drinks, and Chad would have his stuff that I brought but back I, from McDonald's. I mean, what yeah. kind of guy would stay up till three in the morning working on another person's car that he doesn't even know? Yeah, that's what recovery does. That's what yeah. this community. I remember does. my dad let me He's have the truck. She wouldn't amazing. let me drive because I had a license. So Chad had a license. So my dad got us. <laughs> the insurance so chad drove the truck my dad's truck and i and i sat shotgun and that's how me and chad got our first jobs nice. and that's how that family and i had no idea about this this is the things that they would do behind my exactly. back or i would have been like you're not secret. driving the dad's truck hold on <laughs> he had the, the license i'm sure the, i show up and i'm like whose truck all of a sudden hold on a second you know these are the things i know i like this is the first time i'm hearing that. you know what i mean I'm like, uh, i know i um but you know it was I, I remember building that, and it, we just laughed, yeah. and we were just together. Yeah. And then I, when you got the diamond house, everybody was pissed because she got this beautiful like, house. Oh, like so everybody nice. wanted to live at the diamond house. We're like, the diamond house, huh? It was nice. Then we had it to was go back even to our called house. the diamond house. Yeah. We let each different staff members choose the names of it, <laughs> yeah. and my business partner's daughter was like eight and chose the name of that one. That sounds. Beautiful. And it ended up being this beautiful house, yeah. and I was like. Pretty fitting name. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Vaulted ceilings. Gorgeous. Ended up being the girl's house, all that stuff. But the boys I, would have racked it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I had to do the girls. It. I had to do the girlies there. Mm. Yeah, I. Um, that was a beautiful home. And then we that got yelled beautiful. at because we were like screaming, bumping music to like all the functions there. So she's like, I had it. You guys turn your music down and park on the right side of the street. <laughs> I'm like, our first house in the HOA. I'm like, this will be interesting. We'll see what happens here. And the boys, we invite them over for a gathering at the house because we like to do cards or just whatever. And they come bumping up to like Tupac with their windows down, <laughs> spilling oil. I yeah. was just like, this is why you can't live in the Diamond House. <laughs> this is why this we, is why we keep nice you things. in the non HOA <laughs> houses. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I. It was just so fun. It, you know, we would go and like TP the boys' houses and do snowball fights and sledding and like things that I couldn't even picture doing. Yeah. In my addiction, it was. It, it just felt so cool to like wake up uh-huh. and not feel anxious. I was able to leave because my anxiety wasn't like this. Yeah prisoner anymore and just have like this whole world of options of like what my day was going to consist yeah. of house you meetings by I the mean? ping pong table that what was the original was house so fun original house that was right over there by by uh Colum- or not by columbia middle school that was yeah. a cool house yeah it just and now i get to do that like as a mom you yeah. know what i and mean and your sister showing up so I like know. she's really pretty so she's like the miss parker of recovery I'm, so every guy would be out there like she's mowing the lawn again i'm like just leave Sherry. my sister was putting herself through college <laughs> and wanted to make some extra money and she's very pretty and so she wanted to do the lawns during the summer worst idea in the whole wide world because now i'm getting all these phone calls from these guys who are like your sister just showed up I'm going to make her lemonade. Chad, make her lemonade. I'm like, so texting her, do not go in that house. You mow that one. Get out of there. I'm like, you get. Yeah, it was. I'm like driving her back. Like, leave her alone. Don't ask her for a number. Do nothing. Just let her her mow the lawn. I know. I know. And she ended up becoming, she's a total normie. Yeah. Total normie. And, like, she ended up loving so much, um, what the community brought yeah. and people in recovery. I mean, there's just something about people in recovery that is not like, yeah. and I hate saying normies, but like yeah. normal people. Um, because I don't know if normal people get the opportunity to do the work on themselves and have some of the community and resources and opportunities yeah. that we have. Mm-hmm. So I feel actually really blessed today to be in recovery. Something yeah. I thought I would never say, right? Yeah. People are like, I don't want to be sober. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It's a blessing for me. Yeah. And so, um, she loved it, and she ended up with a spoon and went back and became a counselor and opened her own counseling service, ended up marrying a man who's in recovery, yeah. having a child. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. But you got to contest that because your sister, like if you don't know the dynamics between them, of like she's crying, her sister's crying. Like they feel everything, so it's she's, like, yeah. so it's just, she we got be- to live that, she got to feed off of that because, you know, we're talking about happy times, but then there were some bad times. Yeah. A lot of people took off, died, yeah. got mad. Didn't understand, talked a lot of bull, you know, a lot yeah. of that stuff. And it's, and it's hard to be in those environments. 
but your sister stuck through it. So mm-hmm. I, I truly believe like, you know, I have some people in my organization that are, that are normies that just work in, in recovery. There's got to be a level of things that they have to go through to make sure that they get passionate about that work. And you've yeah. always been your sister's passion. And then that passion for those houses and everything that you guys went through, as you know, you know, through the family, it was a family, it's a family business, how it's, yeah. it's been through this, these years. So, yeah. you know, I didn't see, I wasn't really, for me, knowing the history, being surprised on how fast she would get into it and, and excel and be great at it. Huh. You know what I mean? Because she was just, some people would just go to school because they think they're going to drive a Mercedes and they're going to be this. Sure. And they don't even really know that a counselor don't make that kind of money, yeah. for one. But for two is they don't really know it. They just want to help people. But with your sister, that's not the case because she lived every day with it with you. Yep. She was at every house meeting with us, yep. every party, every funeral, every time that we were doing just like, why are you here on a Tuesday? I don't know. I'm just sitting here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those are those things that that – that are, are feeding off that. So if you're thinking about getting in the field, yes, we do need more people to help. But being in it for the right reasons, just like, like Shannon, being the right yeah. reasons for loving and helping people and really understanding that you can turn that light switch on. Of course, they can turn it off. But, you know, at the end of the day, what we're at this table right now, even with Slim on the radio all the time as inspiration and not working directly in the field just through the through this, this show, we're gatekeepers. Yeah. We're gatekeepers to help. You know, it's a... You know, I do it in a little bit of a creepier way. You know, I have these these hobo coins, and I tell people when I bring them out, I said, hey, I can be a gatekeeper for you. I can open up all these doors of all this stuff that you can have success in your life and get your life back. Or I could be at your funeral, and I can put these two coins for the boatman on your eyelids yeah. to go to the next side of things. I don't have a magic wand. I don't have anything that I could do extra special, but I can love you, help you, and show you another way. And I can show, and introduce you to other individuals that you're going to find that and find that success. Or you can go back to what you know. Yeah. You know, and those, and those are those things that, that we have. And that's the things that I learned from being in, in my, my first year in recovery, being around you made me into a beast. Like, I don't know what you helped turn on. But I still have that fire every day. There's nobody that can turn out that fire. I got so inspired to be a better version of myself, even when I want to quit. Like right now, I'm having a real hard time with life, and it's not my recovery. It's just, you know, dynamics of family being in two locations, different things that are happening, you know, new things. I'm in a new job line. You know, I knew everything about Colorado. I know nothing about Vegas. I know nothing about my new higher position, and I'm learning on the – but it's the recovery, you know what I mean? It's still having that fire that's stoked. It's like those first days in those years, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And those are those things that, that you have to battle through and, and make sure that you're taking care of the things that are important in your life and apologize for the things that you said that you don't mean. And, you know, doing that 10th step every day, making yeah. sure that everything's right and, and you know, um, making sure that you have to find out where the secondhand store is that, Slim got those bibs from because I just noticed that. <laughs> I like them. He is, yes, he like is about to be on the Kid those? and Play show. I, 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 I feel like it. the running man is coming at any time. <laughs> I love it. But Where? No, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I want him to kind of wear them backwards and do like the crisscross. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. I and well, I've gotten the same way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've gotten complacent and God, just great. They're great, and man. they look comfortable. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna pop lock in any second now. They're great. You know, Puerto Rico's Um, but no, and I, I'm here for you. And yeah. so it's really hard when, um, you know, you put yourself in a position where you have um, a lot of people relying on you. Yeah. And there's been multiple times in my recovery that I've let everything that the 12 steps have given me mm-hmm. take me away from the 12 steps. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you have all these opportunity and you have all yeah. these new relationships and you have all these things that this program gave you taking you away from the program. Yeah. And I've noticed myself on my way to relapsing yeah. i become irritable discontent grumpy people don't want to be around me i'm short fused yeah. um and so you know it's nice that i'm i'm open-minded um i have a really good army that can call me out on my yeah. stuff today um i don't think there's anyone in my phone that i couldn't call and ask for that wouldn't come running you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I never had that before. And so I really rely on my colleagues. I still work every Sunday with a sponsor yeah. doing my steps. Um, I do. I have a lot. 
you know, I've done a lot of work, but I feel like I have a lot to do still. Yeah, this was great um, about 12 steps. Is we, this last always year was a, yeah, and this last year was a lot for me. So I think that this round of 12 steps is going to yeah. be really good for me. Yeah. You know, going through my fourth step. And I know for a fact I have some amends to make. And, um, you know, I fall, I'm a human being. I fall short, yeah. um, just like everybody else. Um, but it's cool to be able to recognize that today. Yeah. And I think before, um, it was so hard for me because there were so many other people mad at me. It was hard for, like, I was mad at myself. I knew um, I was this alcoholic that was going nowhere and all these consequences, and I was upsetting all these people. I just didn't feel like I was even lovable. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Now that I've learned how to love myself, it's just became naturally easy to love other people. Yeah, and you know what's great about 12 Steps is you can always, like, you could dissect the situation with it. And what I mean by that is, you know, yeah. like, I got to bring God with me. I can't, I got to bring my higher power with me, my belief system, because I can't, I'm not going to find it in Vegas. It's not going to be sitting there waiting for me. I got to bring it with me in my heart. Yeah. You know, I always got to realize that it's just a light bulb. Yeah. One power outage, that whole strip is the, is a ghost town. And I just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those are those things that I got to keep it real and make sure that I keep connection to home, keep mm-hmm. connection. I mean, what's beautiful is now I have, friends all over like LA is like the recovery mecca when I Vegas is huge for me but if I as soon as I touch down in LA my boy Corey is right there with like a million recovery people awesome. you know the first thing we do within 10 minutes I get there Corey's either at a speaker meeting or he's at this or he's at that you know I went to the very first house that NA was ever done the first meeting that's awesome it was cool it was the coolest thing on earth you know what I mean those yeah. those are those things because you just keep connected in recovery and you know, and it, you got to keep that fire from the first days. Like yeah. you being here, like I have so many good memories in my mind I know. from just those those times of doing things. You know, just those great things. So we got this message on Facebook. It's from Tammy Emmanuel. If anybody oh. knows Tammy, she yeah, said, we do. So because hey. of that woman right there, huh. you Sherry, you've been able to save not only me but thousands of women and men. And this message is going to you. Uh, Tomas. Uh, she said, so thank you, Sherry. You started this movement. I just hope my sobriety is as contagious as my addiction. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome. Thank yeah. you, Tammy. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that you're but doing yeah, the, well. But yeah, the two of you are yeah. like, you know, you planted the seed for so many other people to follow behind you in their recovery. And yeah. I, I can't even imagine what those people are going to do. You right. know what I mean? And like I said, it's yeah. not it's not always going to be sober living. Even if it, you know, even if I walked away today and said I wanted to be the French fry flipper at McDonald's, it would still be really important to me to have sponsees. Yeah. I don't know if I can keep what I have unless I give it away. So you don't have to flip the French fries, but one thing is, it's not even, you know what broke my heart I think about I'd McDonald's? be the cashier. I'm a very It's like a person. slot thing. It's not even a grill. It's crazy. I don't, I don't even need it to. Yeah, it's I would crazy. probably just have, <laughs> No, I don't think after you work in a restaurant, anybody eats that again. Sherry, uh, we're running out of time here. Great. It, it has flown by, and I appreciate yeah. you so much for being here, and I thank you for the work that you're doing uh, at Aurora Sober, Sober Living Homes. Thank you. Um, what's the final message you have to somebody out there, whether it's they're suffering addiction or they have a friend or family member who is? Yeah. Something you want to share? You know, I just think about um, when I was in my addiction and I just felt really alone. And I just want everyone to know that they don't have to be alone. Um, that there is people out there. We are living proof. We're not like this special breed of people that were like blessed. Like we are addicts and alcoholics just like you. Um, and so pick up the phone. There's just so many people who have been where you are and want to get you where you want to be. And so I just, I pray that um, you can find the strength to pull yourself out um, because I know for a fact, as we are proof of it, um, there's a beautiful life waiting. And so um, that may not be in our program, but one of the million gazillions programs out there, um, and I can guarantee with that one phone call, you know, that person can help you find find what you need. And so, you know, I just pray for those who are still suffering and, and still struggling, and, and I also pray for the grace and forgiveness that was given to me um, because I, I just shouldn't be alive and be here today. So how do they get a hold of you at Aurora Sober Living? Um, so we have an app. We have an Aurora Sober Living app that you can download on your phone and connect with us. Um, we have a website. We have um, Aurora Sober Living Colorado dot, or what is it? Aurora Sober Living Colorado Gmail. 
at mm-hmm. gmail.com um, is our email. Um, you can, I probably shouldn't say my phone number on the radio yeah, station. Yeah, there's about 400,000 going to hear this. Yeah, I don't Sunday. think I do that. Um, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> sober living homes, Google it. Yeah, so Google that. Um, the Mahana family. I probably are. Right. she did that, I was yeah. like, you realize you just told everybody your personal cell phone like, number. Yeah, I don't want, uh-uh. I already get enough texts of like, she ate my cheese, and so I'm going to, I'm going to not do that. Um, but yeah, you know, um, one of the very cool things that we just did is we had this app created that's specifically for not only alumni, pro, um, people currently in the program, and people that want to connect with us. It's Aurora Sober Living. It has our events on there. Um, you can connect with us on there if you're looking for a meeting. Um, it's just a good way for the community to find sponsors, find meetings, connect to events, the whole deal. So that's, awesome. um, that's what I'm mostly excited about because um, I can do apps. Emails, I blow up computers. So don't don't think that I'm the one like behind all the fancy businessy stuff of Aurora Sober Living. Would not be standing. Me if too. It was Every up time to I do something, I, I got this big idea, it. and I'm like, Dan. Uh um. So my my uh, yeah, I gotta thank my team because um, they're my backbone and they're the things that make this happen. I really just show up goofy, happy, and with a smile on my face and say, you got to stop eating your cheese is really my job. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, uh, you know what I mean? So, but thank you guys. It's been amazing. You. And you know, even if I was able to just make one person That's feel like there's want. some hope, one person, That's um, and the that goal. they're not alone and that they're lovable. Um, I'll do that. I'll go out of my way to do that. So connect with us for sure. Uh, Google Aurora Sober Living Homes. Our guest today is Sherry Blosser. That's S-H-E-R-I-B-L-O-S-S-E-R. If you want to hunt her down, even though she didn't give out her phone number, you probably can find it now. But uh, Sherry Blosser, uh, Aurora Sober Living Homes, please Google them. If you are uh, looking for a place for yourself, a friend or a family member, we're here for you, all right? And if she can't help you, I guarantee you she will put you in touch with someone who can, because that's what we're all about here. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Tomas and Nani and everybody at Tribe Recovery Homes. And of course, we also want to thank everybody at Caring for Denver. Uh, Caring for Denver is an organization that helps all of us to uh, provide for those in need, finding a recovery. So thank you to Caring for Denver. Definitely. This is Sharing Our Stories. We will be back next week. Happy New Year to you. I hope you have a blessed 2024. We wish you the best in this new year. And uh, we look forward to you joining us again right here for Sharing Our Stories.